As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This episode of Hear That Podcast Growling is sponsored by Visa, a network working for everyone. And as always, Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison are here working for you on Hear That Podcast Growling. What's up, Jay? Doing well. Looking forward to the buy. Not sure how much you're looking forward to this week, but <laughs> <laughs> I am looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, we've got a lot to get to in this show. It will be um, – you'll – and I'm not sure when you'll hear from me next again. Hopefully very soon. Uh, I'm going to be out for a couple of weeks here having back surgery. Like any true athlete, right? In season, <laughs> you save it. Try to get it in during the bye. I'm going to be out for a few weeks, and and we'll see how it goes after that. Um, but I'm going to try to if, – if I'm not too meted up, Jay – if, if if I'm clear-headed enough, or maybe you want me on drugs. I, don't I was know. just going to say that that might be better content. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get me totally unfiltered uh, if I try to come <laughs> back uh, next week or whatever. But um, it's it's uh, going to be a, a, a very full couple of weeks for me. And Jay, thank you for uh, taking over the reins of things here for a few weeks while I try to get things right um, and be straight. Now, for my playoff push. Right, got to make sure I'm yeah. make sure I'm good for the playoffs. You know, you got to make sure you get back in time. Who comes back first, me or Trey Waynes? That's going to be the question. Ooh, I'm going you. Yeah, I'm going me too. Uh, we got some news to get to. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a top three, bottom three, as sort of one last kind of look back um, at the first half of the season where things stand with the Bengals and, and, and then we're going to kind of take a closer look at this AFC jumbled mess and assess what the second half looks like. We're going to bring in our good friend, Mo Egger, of course, uh, to talk about his tweets. And I, I just, I just open it up. I just give him the floor on UC <laughs> and he takes it. And he, he takes it and runs. He takes it and runs. Uh, so we have that. Um, we're going to recap our Bengals growler bet. I've got a couple more uh, listener submitted RPBs, including one that I refuse to tell Jay until we read it here live because I want his <laughs> reaction. Uh, so I'm excited uh, about that. A lot to get to, so we're going let's, to let's head in, okay? Uh, recapping some of the news as the Bengals head into the bye week. Um, Next game, obviously, is in Vegas in two weeks, but 
they will not have Brandon Wilson. He did tear his ACL, which is, I think, what we all sort of feared when you saw that late hit, the kind of weird, awkward hit out of bounds. Uh, sucks that it happens like that. It's like, geez, you can you can almost handle it better if it happens in the field of play, but for it to go down like that is uh, obviously a frustrating one for everybody. So they'll they'll be without him. Um, tough break. Good kid. I wrote a story a couple of years ago about Brandon, and it was about his relationship with Braden Combs. Uh, and everybody just says, I mean, Brandon Wilson is just one of the real hardworking, good, humble dudes. One of the best guys you'll, you'll meet and Brandon, he really is, uh, tough to see, um, you know, never really got to see him break the long one this year that I think everybody was kind of waiting on and, and sitting on, um, I mentioned Trey Wayne's in the open. Uh, Zach Taylor said he will not be back for the Vegas game and they'll just keep kind of tracking him as it goes on. He's, He's kind of basically been saying for a while it's going to be a while on on Trey Wayne, so we'll see where that lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akeem Adeniji, who got the sort of surprise start at right guard against the Browns, is going to get another opportunity against Vegas. Taylor saying, look, uh, that was pretty impressive to not really have practiced in pads until two weeks ago and to come in and, and wasn't great, wasn't perfect. Uh, but they were impressed by what he did and feel like it's it, he he earned another opportunity was the words that were used. So Adenogy will be your right guard um, going into next week. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither hurt his knee, but TBD on how long that's going to be. They're still, I think, a little in, inconclusive in nature and what that is. Um, we, we really don't know, but uh, I don't. It, do, I, it does seem that it will be. He would probably miss a game or two or maybe a lot more, but they're still checking into that, so we don't really have a, a clear look at any of that. I think that was a foot for Akeem. Oh, was it? Wasn't it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I misspoke. Yeah, foot for Akeem. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I'm already halfway into surgery. Yet. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, so that's kind of the news to wrap it up. I mean, you know, a day later, I, I think – I don't know if your view – I think it, it never feels as bad 24 hours removed. And the more I kind of think about it, once you get past the shock value of 41 to 16, it really comes back to what we were saying on the walkout for me, Jay. And it's – I mean, you just, when you turn it over like that, that against a good team, it's what it looks like. That it just, It's just one of those things – I didn't – I don't look at yesterday and say this Bengals team is clearly going the wrong way and going to be overmatched the rest of the way. I look at that as a day where they turned – they fumbled, they threw picks, they didn't make the right decisions in spots, and the turnovers gave fields of in the end zone, the 8, the 30, in Cleveland's own 40. That's 20 points, and – and you're playing a team with a great running game and two beasts off the edge on defense. That's a literally exactly the type of game that they're going to punish you on. And they did. They couldn't play. You can't come from behind like that. And and that was the kind of game you ended up in. And that's when things start to go sideways. And it's just not your day. Yeah. And, and the 60 yard touchdown and the 70 yard touchdown. It was just, there was just so many things. I'd be interested to see. I don't even know how I would go about looking this up, but, you know, teams that, the first score of the game is a pick six. How often do teams rebound from that? It just seems like even though it's early and even though the Bengals did go down and match it and tie the game right away, it's it's such a tone setter. And it's it's one of those, yes, it's you you can't 
paint a nice picture of it when you lose by 25 to a division rival, but it's the, the circumstances of these two losses. First of all, the, the quarterback change due to injury and with the jets and the, the wild card that is Mike white, and then a team totally galvanized to, to rally behind Baker Mayfield after the Odell Beck. I mean, you just hit both of those teams at the worst possible time. And yeah, that, that, it's not the sole reason for either of those losses, but it's it's just part of the luck that that, that comes into the when you play teams. And you're right, is it 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 doesn't feel as bad as it looked yesterday. It's still concerning what this defense has kind of turned into the last couple of weeks, but it, it still feels like not to parrot the players, but everything's still in front of them. A lot to play for in the second half of the season. And you, you, you come out of a bye refreshed. And if they go to Vegas and win, then all of a sudden it just, it just totally changes the, the outlook and the direction once again. There's no doubt. I mean, things change. Look, and, you know, and we can dive into the AFC now a little bit when you, when you really look at it. I mean, look at what happened yesterday. I mean, <laughs> Who can explain any of this crap? I mean, look at what happened around the league. You know, Buffalo against Jacksonville lose. I mean, I I, I thought saw a a great tweet from Nora Princiati who who does a podcast at the Rigger, which was which was has anybody tried unplugging the quarterbacks and plugging them back in? Like you know, the ultimate IT guy. What what is going on? You know, and and now I guess Tennessee is going to be the front runner of the moment. We, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Every team that sort of was crowned in the AFC for a little bit then has just been shoved back to earth uh, across the board, you know? It was, it was Baltimore, and then the Bengals took them down. It was the Bengals, and then the Jets took them down. And then, you know, and then now Tennessee is a team of, of, of this moment, and, and Ve- Vegas, and then Vegas loses to the Giants. And, you know, it's every single team – has been thrown back down to the earth. The Chargers were thrown back to earth. You know, Buffalo against the Jags. Everybody, like, I don't know who's good. The Titans are the number one seed. You know who one of their two losses was against? The The Jets. Jets. I mean, it's just one of those kind of years, and it's it, it it's always the case who can get hot at the right time. But it it especially feels like that's going to be the case this year because I don't see this this jumbled mess sorting itself out anytime soon. I I could see ten, eleven teams being at five hundred and in the mix as we get into December. If if Pittsburgh w- were recording this um, Monday afternoon. If Pittsburgh wins on Monday night, and even if they don't, this is almost irrelevant. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams with five wins in the AFC. Exactly five, not five or better, right? Exactly five. If Pittsburgh yes. wins, either way, even if they don't, then you have eight. I mean, it's just everybody. <laughs> it's we've gone halfway through, and it's kind of right back at the starting line minus. You know, the Colts, who are dangerous in their own right. And then, really, the Jets, Jacksonville, Miami, and Houston have sort of eliminated themselves. Everybody else feels like it's in front of them, too. Mm -hmm. And, look, the Bengals' schedule is tough. and But you have some games, when you look at it, that you don't feel as, you know, San Francisco is a mess. 
You feel a lot better about that game. I don't know. I mean, Denver goes to the Cowboys and just beats up on them. I mean, it, this league is just weird. And and if you think you're going to end up with all these teams differentiating themselves, I think this is what the AFC is going to look like all year. Mm-hmm. Is surprise results every week. And a bunch of people kind of in the same boat. When you Because when you take the Chiefs out of it, basically, not out of it, but out of being the front runner in front of everybody, you realize how much everybody is just the same. I mean, if you were to do power ranking, we could ask, you could ask 10 people to power rank the top seven teams, say this, the, the seven teams that they think are going to make the playoff, predict the seeds, and you'd probably get 10 different different orders it's just it is it's a it's a total jumbled mess Tennessee does look like the class right now but uh, you know I'm not sure they're going to be the team at the end I still think Buffalo is the team to beat but can you say it with a straight face after they lost to the Jaguars and didn't score a touchdown it's just it's one of those anything can happen league it's always been the case and it just it feels like more so this year you there's always been games where you felt really sure that you knew what was going to happen and that that is not the case i mean i wonder there might have been a record yesterday on teams that went out or people that went out on their survivor pools because i imagine there was a (laughs) lot of bills picks and i myself was a cowboys pick and yeah you just you can't explain it i never thought denver had a shot to beat the cowboys and they were up 30 to nothing on them and and you know as the world turns, it's just that you, you got to understand that's what it is. And so you know when when Bengals fans are understandably frustrated, you know, and I just I laugh, I laugh like we so on face like the, on Facebook there's like Bengals groups. Really, the only thing that I ever even do on Facebook anymore is that there's <laughs> these Bengals groups on there, and you never know what will show up on there, and it's always interesting to to see what people are kind of saying. But you know, you see the that's it. I was a fan for 40 years and this is the end. That's it for me. It's like this, this is the end five <laughs> and four at the bye after one blowout to the Browns. That's what it was. Can I tell you the list of things in front of this? Because it's, it's got about 800 items and that's me being nice in front of this. This is, this is a team that is, Yes, has lost two in a row. And yes, there is some curiosities about them and the direction that they're headed. They also have a quarterback that's playing pretty damn good. It's pretty much established him as a top 10 type guy. We can talk about his interceptions. And a a young core that's growing together that everyone thought, right, the window wasn't this year. It's going to be next year. You're going to see at the end of this year, this team establish itself as what they are going to maybe be into a real Super Bowl contender next year. And they're a little bit ahead of that still, that mm-hmm. what that window was supposed to be. And, and they're going to have a chance against some of the best teams in the AFC to prove that they can do that. And and I, you know, when they say it's it's easy to get anger because you know there were a lot of Browns fans in the stadium and people get angry and and you just got blown out and now you got to hear it from all your stupid barking Browns fans at work I get it like it's it's extra frustrating it's part of why I wrote about what's the best that's why I love that the Battle of Ohio is relevant now again because it is personal because everybody in their office has somebody that showed up in a damn Browns jersey or something like that on Monday and the same thing if it would have gone the other way so Browns fans are all pissed. These damn Bengals fans getting in their face. You know that that's what parts part of what makes it great. I, I just 
you know, people, someone tweeted me, when are we going to see Paul Downer Jr. again? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't view this as, I just, we saw and we've seen enough when you look at the totality of these nine games that I, I just don't think that, and I could be wrong. I mean, I was obviously wrong about these last couple of weeks. I, I didn't see these coming. But I, I just don't see a team in front of us right now that's going to fade into oblivion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. But I, I, looking at the way they're constructed and what we've seen thus far, what we know of the AFC and what we know of Joe Burrow, I, I just don't see that. And I'll use the line that I used in predictions and I've used many times since then. Don't bet against Joe Burrow. All right. Don't bet against him. And we, we've seen this to some degree where it's not a team that goes in the tank. Yes, they lost a lot of games the last two years, but it was a team that never quit. They were in a lot of those games. Um, there were a couple of really bad losses, but it's not the makeup of this locker room. And maybe it's different. Maybe maybe they get high on themselves, and then when things start going bad, it, it does kind of bring out a, a bad side. But I just... I don't see it happening. You've got too many leaders in there. You got too many young guys with their entire careers ahead of them. Um, I, I just I don't feel like this is a team that's going to, as you said, go into oblivion. I I expect I don't think they're going to go on some crazy run and and light the city on fire. But I I expect them to be around five hundred in the second half of the season. And if that's the case, if they go four and four, that's nine and eight. You never know. The, the way everybody's bunched right now, that might be good for a seven seed in the playoffs. And if it's not, you still improved your win total by five games from the year before. How many teams ever do that? That is, it is still progress. Still not what anybody's going to want after a five and two start. But, the, you know, you you, you kind of have to, Mike Brown does this all the time when he wants to evaluate. He, he waits till the season is over and looks at it as a whole. And I think that's what, what fans need to do and quit being so reactionary and just wait and see how it plays out. And and can you, if they miss the playoffs at nine and eight, can you really be upset after they won six games the previous two years four last year, it would be a five game improvement and there's nothing that, that should make you feel bad about 2022. I think everyone should be excited about 2022. If they, if they're in that 500 window this year. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
I wrote a little bit about the window in TWIB on Friday, and you know there was a, a great chart. Uh, it's going past me who put it out, but it was essentially showed winning percentage this year, um, in a in, and set against cap space projected cap space available yeah. next year, and the Bengals are in that good spot in the top right, right corner where they have a, they have their winning games. They have a young core. You know, not only do they have cap space, they don't have a bunch of guys that are going to be up. You're going to be able to pick and choose who you want to cut and who you want to bring back. Oh, why? Well, by the way, on that cap space, add 11 mil to that on Trey Wayne's. You know, which will probably be free space. You got another draft, another free agency cycle. All, again, it, it, it's stacking these off seasons together to really create it for yourself. And I'm still interested to see what it looks like now. Think about this, Jay. You said four and four, right? They just split it down the middle. You end up nine and eight. Think about what December 26th at home against Baltimore, January 2nd at home against Kansas City, and week 18 at Cleveland will feel like if this team is in that right in, in the playoff hunt at the end. It's what we talked about. It's what the goal of the when we if we cycle back to the beginning of the season, the goal was super relevant, important games. In January, in December, where you f- you can see the future of this team building, and you know you like to, and you're winning maybe a couple of those. That's what we're, I mean. That's what they're headed towards. And maybe they're not, and if it goes and if it goes south from here, certainly there's going to be a lot of questions asked about how you go from five and two to falling off the map, and we'll discuss those at nauseum. But where they're headed towards. It's some pretty exciting atmospheres, and I think some games that you would be excited if when they win, if they win. And I think you got to think of it that way a little bit. And then you're in the tournament, and what do we talk about? See what Joe Burrow looks like on the big stage. See what right. see what happens, and and you and you feel great about the direction you're headed. It's not just those final three games. I said it earlier how it totally redirects the the outlook if they win at Vegas. I mean, then they come home. They play Pittsburgh. If they're playing Pittsburgh at home at six and four, we saw how lit up that place was, figuratively and literally, last year for the Monday night game against the Steelers. And then they they beat them again this year. They housed them basically at Pittsburgh. I mean, that's going to be a crazy atmosphere. the The Chargers game then right after that is going to be huge. Uh, it's yes, if if they're in it, those games are going to be really special at the end of the year. But I don't think it necessarily has to wait till then. I mean, you've got all these home games coming up. The 49ers game isn't going to they're they're not a, a great team, but it it's still a home game in December with a chance to to prove that you belong in this playoff race and then it it can it can get really really big. I I don't see even if they do kind of fall apart a little bit, I can't see them being out of it on December 26 with Baltimore. That could be like the the elimination game where they need to win that one to stay in the race or they're eliminated. That's still almost as an electric of an atmosphere as, you know, they need to win that game to take over first place or something like that. So it is, I, I, I think it's, it, it, it's what fans have waited for, for a long time for, for meaningful games late in the year. And uh, I just, I can't envision a scenario where that's not going to be the case. Meaningful games late in the year at home. Five of six at home after the Vegas trip. Five of six on all against 
all big time games. You want to be relevant? You want your local NFL franchise to feel important and relevant? You want to go to those games? You want to feel like Cincinnati's on the map a little bit? I'm not saying they're going to win them all. But you're going to play huge games with playoff implications in your house for a month and a half. It's a, it, it's, it's a big deal. And, and if you can get hot and you start winning some of them and your young players continue to develop, you see everything you're talking about. And it, I, I think it's set up to be a very fun second half. And it's easy to get disenchanted after the, the meltdown in New York and the blowout against the Browns. But... I I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not counting this out. Let's do this. Let's do one half. So, uh, I want to thank. I might be. I hope I'm not pronouncing your name too badly, Mike. Mike Kresap sent in two run passer boots. One I'm going to save for the end. Uh, this one though, um, he sent us this one. Given the past two weeks, how many games you see the Bengals winning after the bye? Two or fewer? Three to four? Five plus run passer boot? What do you say? Well, I'm booting the heck out of two. I mean, there's just there's no way. Um, well, I shouldn't say no way. <laughs> you should never say no way never when it comes no to the way. Bengals. Not when it comes to this team. But I, I really can't see that. I can't see them going two and six. I I just can't. Um, the other one's tough because e- even I don't think three's in play, but four certainly is, and and five is in play. I'm, I'm not uh, six, seven, eight. No, that's not in play. So this basically comes down to. What do I think they're going to go four and four or five and three? Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with three or four just because I do think that they've been they've been so lucky on the health front and they've they they've got a tough schedule. They've got a young team that hasn't been in this position. You could see it four and four just feels like what this second half of the season is going to be. So I'll I'll run four. I'll run three to four. I'll pass on five plus and I'll boot two. Yeah, I'm gonna do the same. You know, I I think it it's hard to it's hard to project, uh, but I, I think I'm gonna do the same. Um, I you, you worry about two or fewer. Um, you know, it might be better to do two and two to three, four yeah. and five plus. You really put us up against it. Uh, but I I think. I think four and four is if you're if you're doing one of those one of those charts right where it has the likelihood goes up in the middle of the peaks and the valleys. Uh, I you know four is probably the most likely, um, and I, I I would probably lean towards five over three, um, but you know obviously for some reason it must be the fact that I'm I'm not going to be working for a little bit. It's got me optimistic <laughs> about talking all nice about things. I'm just trying to put people in a better place. That's all. Uh, speaking of, let's jump into our top three, bottom three, Jay, uh, okay. of the first half. Kind of really just a general top three, bottom three to throw out there, whether players, trends, developments, anything about the team, whatever you came up with. What do you? Uh, let's start with the top and be positive. Uh, what's your, what do you got at the top? Well, before we get to, are we going to save the, uh, this mystery run passer boot till the end? Cause yes. I'm, I'm really intrigued. Okay. All We're right. going to save it. The, the anticipation. Builds. Yeah. We got we got to save it. All right. So for, for the, for the three up or for the, the top three things right now, I'm not saying this is the most important, but I, I really think this is important, um, because we've seen it go the other way in years past and 
this team is a disciplined team. They they've played they've played more games than 17 teams in the league due to the buys and due to the fact the Bears haven't played yet as we record this on Monday and they still have the fewest penalties in the league and the fewest penalty yards in the league. And if if you've got a young offense that is struggling for consistency, one thing that can really derail drives is penalties, and and that has not been the case. There have been other things that have derailed the drives and kind of slowed things down at times, but I I think that's a a big deal. Um, People talk penalties and turnovers all the time, got to eliminate them, and the fact that they're lowest in both of those categories is, is a pretty substantial thing in my mind for this season. No doubt. Uh, my top uh, development is one that I we don't need to talk about, but we do have to say because you just have to say it, and that is Chase DeBurrow. I mean, look, yeah. we talk about developments. I mean, that is a connection that can carry you for a number of years and to grow together and for it to happen as fast as it did and to be as solid as it is, even despite him having a rough game on Sunday and showing some streakiness and a little inconsistency. Um he still, as a whole, um, has been everything they'd hoped for, and and that connection has been a big part of carrying them. And you know, he's got to catch the ball. You know, you, you can't be dropping deep balls and down the sideline in the end zone. You know, two in the end zone, two touchdowns off the board the last two weeks in you know in critical points, and so that's that's a big deal. But still, as a whole. It's it's impossible to not say this and just make sure we get it out of the way so everybody knows we mentioned Chase DeBurrow because that's one. What else? What do you yeah, got next? That is the top one. Um, going back to what I said before about penalties, uh, it was interesting today. I asked Zach Taylor about there was a play Sunday where Jadavion Clowney blasted Joe Burrow, and it was was it late? Was it not late? He didn't get the call. Uh, the offensive lineman thought it should have been a penalty because they were I think identity might have been the first one there um you 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 don't see it on the tv copy but when I watched it live I thought identity was the first one there and three of them went over there and confronted them and it, it turned into this 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 skirmish on the sideline and a lot of times if if you're the team starting a confrontation you're the one that ends up if you're the aggrieved party you end up committing the penalty and the Bengals didn't they went over there they got their point across and it was a Browns player that ended up getting a 15 yard penalty after that. And I asked, I just asked Zach Taylor about that, about um, it one, if he thought it was a, a penalty or should have been a penalty. And two, if he liked the idea of, of his guys starting something like that, when you know, a penalty is always a possibility. And his, his, I think he was waiting for this question. His, his answer was really good. This is what he had to say uh, on the play where, where Joe got hit by Jadavion Clowney, the, the offensive line's reaction seemed to think that they thought that was late, might have been flagged. I'm wondering, one, if, if you agree with that, and two, what your take is on that, on on guys confronting the other team. I know it can it can turn into a bad situation. Is that something you like seeing, kind of having his back, or is it something you advise against? I didn't like it. Um, I loved it, you know, to be quite frank with you. And it's they, they got they got his back. Um, it could have been Joe. could have been Joe Mixon. could have been T- whoever. And uh, that was um, – there's a fine line there, you know, but but we got to protect our teammates. And and when you feel like they've been put in a bad spot, um, I thought the response was was tremendous from our guys. And um, it's close to a penalty. I'm sure it could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a team that I really do feel like that represents what we're about right now. They're going to fight for each other, and they're not going to tolerate that stuff. And 
Um, so, you know, it was, uh, I was proud of the ways they stood up. There's, there's maybe times where I might give you a different answer depending on the outcome and, and right. the, the, the game that we're in. But um, I thought that in that moment we needed that, and they stepped up and did that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, and and I and I and I, and I, I like the answer. I, I think it. Look, do we need to go back to Miami last year? Right, <laughs> right. The picture of the offensive lineman sitting on the bench while the fight happens. Remember that, yep. and how that was a sign of everything. Isn't this the opposite about how exact different the opposite. locker room is right now? And that's, I mean, last week, I mean, that, that Miami game, that was, it was such a bad look. Um, I, I don't know, you know, what exactly that was reflective of. I mean, I'm sure they, they probably thought it was Mike Thomas's second penalty and it was his, his second one that was kind of an obvious one. And, but it was, it was totally different that, that it was that different players, but same position group that went out there and said, Hey, we're, we're not going to stand for that. And it will, it'll be interesting to see. They, they, it's not just penalties that get fined. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if Clowney gets fined for a, a late hit on a quarterback for that play. And the play where that you mentioned where that was a late tackle out of bounds on Brandon Wilson that ended his season. That was not, penalized but that doesn't mean it won't be fine so we'll we'll find that out later this week if either of those were fine but it was it was it was kind of a telling moment it kind of got lost in the way that the game ended up playing out but it was it was something that that stood out to me right when it happened was that it was identity first and then there was two other guys over there right after him i think reef was the second one in and and, and they weren't going to put up for that or put up with that yeah no doubt all right let's just take a quick break when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another another couple here on the ups for me, I think has to be just gen, as a general free agency success. You know, if we talk about developments, I mean, you're talking about everybody, you know, so many of their free agency acquisitions have really paid off for them, not just this year, but last year. And guys that they have some on one-year privilege, but some they don't. Guys, they have a multi-year deals. You know, whether we're talking about Cheeto, we're talking about Trey Hendrickson, you know, we're talking about the, these types of guys that will be around, that, that are not going anywhere necessarily, and 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 that's a that's a big deal. Um, and, and I think all the other side of that is you can absolutely see them being more willing now to dip back into the free agency market next year when they have more money because they have seen this success because they're seeing 
you know, Steven Radicevich and Duke Tobin and, and that pro scouting crew have success. Pinpoint the right guys. They should have Shaq Barrett here. But, you know, it's they've they've done a good job of finding these guys and and um you know, they've never really been able to use that before. They've never chosen to use it. And I and I feel like when you've seen what you've seen this year, we'll see them more active going into the offseason because of the guys that I've mentioned that have done so well here and been a big part of the success. Yeah, I think it's important too because it's not it's not like this is the first time they've done it. It's the second time they've done it. The year before they spent a lot and a lot of those guys got hurt. And you could see the front office kind of say, well, that's why we don't do it. it, it there's a big risk there. And, and the fact that it's paying off as well as it, as it is this year you're right. It can it can really kind of set a template for these guys know what they're doing. You you get the right guy in here, and you can you can help the team out in a hurry and get things turned around. And I I do think with you what you mentioned before with the chart, they've got all this money available. Now a lot of that could be earmarked to Jesse Bates, but it, if not, if they elect to tag him, then that's a whole nother round of of free agency they can go deep on heading into next year. My my other one for for what I've been most surprised, not, not most surprised, but one of the key things this year, and people are probably going to scream at me for this after the defense, the last two weeks, but there's one element of that defense that I think has been really, really good this year. And it's, it's the way that they respond after turnovers. And we have seen Joe Burrow throw more interceptions that than we're used to seeing. And there's, there's been 11 turnovers this year minus the two that were returned for touchdowns, the one in the Bears game, the one in the Browns game. So there's been 11 turnovers where the defense had to run out there and and defend the goal line, and they've done it 10 times. The only time they gave up a touchdown after a turnover was last week in New York after the batted pass interception, and it was they, the, the, the Jets were starting right there in the red zone. It was a one-play series for the offense, so the defense was going right back out there. But other times, you see this all the time, and it could it could be – at the other end of the field, it's just it's such a momentum swing with a turnover, and you see teams capitalize all the time. They go out there and they either take a shot on the first play, the, the quick change, or they go out there and just roll through a long drive. Teams convert turnovers into touchdowns a lot, and, and the fact that this defense is, has only let it happen one time out of eleven has been pretty substantial. That you're, there is no doubt. Um... You know, and that's that's in, that's an incredible that's an incredible stat because one of my bottom three is Joe Burrow's interceptions, and and <laughs> and there is no doubt that that concern, despite every interception having a story and all this stuff, and and, and there's some a lot of them aren't his fault, but some of them are, and and there's a lot of reasons these happen. You know, the 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 one in the ninety nine yard pick six, it's like okay. Well, how much is that on Chase and the way he ran the route and and Burrow reacting to that in real time and should he have come off of it and you know there's a there's a domino effect of this type of stuff but at the end of the day they're on him and at the end of the day they're they're in his category and maybe some aren't on him but every quarterback in the league can say that and 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 eleven is too many and it's killing them in these losses and will that be who he is will he end up with twenty interceptions? This year, we end up with 18 interceptions this year. If he does, this team will not be in the playoffs. If he ends up with 14 interceptions this year, I bet they are in the playoffs. And I think it's almost that simple. It's probably not that simple, but I'm making it that simple. 
You know, I, th- I think that has been such a – it's a common thread for every team. It's been such a common thread in the losses that they've had is that, is that these are the plays that have really changed the game. You can almost guarantee it. If he only throws, if he only ends up with fourteen interceptions and plays eight, plays seventeen games, they're going to the playoffs because that would only be three more the rest of the year. That's yes, that that would definitely do it. Um, my my other one, my other top three, and again, people might yell at me, but they have a winning record. That's if before the season started, if someone said they were five and four at the bye, there's not a single person out there that was said, nope, not good enough. I mean, yes, expectations change and it was five and two at one point. Now it's five and four. And there's there's highs and lows and ebbs and flows through a season. And and five and four doesn't look as good now as it may have sounded back in August. But it's still five and four. You are still in the playoff race, even though you're on the outside looking in at the moment. It's it's they positioned themselves for what we talked about before a meaningful stretch run and given what the last two seasons were I just I, I you can't understand the angst right now with, with some of the fan base they have a winning record they are they have proven they can beat Ravens and or hang Packers with elite teams in this league and i just i i think that's the most i mean people say it all the time bottom line is winning and losing well you're winning more than you're losing at this point that that has to be up there as one of the top developments of this season and one of the reasons for you know optimism is my last one on the top and that's health i mean mm-hmm. they're as well positioned health wise as anybody in the league to take advantage of where they're at you know uh and and again, that's a big knock on wood uh, because things can change in a hurry in that area. But if you're, and it's also part of the frustration of the last two weeks is you've been the healthier team, you've been a you know you've had matchup advantages because of that, and you haven't been able to take advantage of that. You got to win games when you're healthy, and, and they haven't. Uh, but is for the most part they're ha- they're one of the healthiest teams in the league, and they're set up that way. Uh, to take advantage of that potentially down down the stretch, and and that's a big deal. That's a big deal, and I think it's a positive trend. We talk about the end. All right, bottom three. I'm just gonna rip off uh, a couple of names. The first one I mentioned interceptions earlier. Jackson Carmen. I mean, there was so much talk about him needing to come in and and second round pick and chasing Carmen. We had to, you whatever you picked in the second round had to be the offset to going chase over Sewell and all that stuff. And he just hasn't been it. He's been immature. Uh, he hasn't been able to to hold the spot. They've given him chances. They've given every opportunity. And there there's clearly with Akeem Denji coming in, they just said, look, let's give Denji a shot because you know you're just not getting the consistency and, and comfort level that you want from Carmen right now. And the fact that we're still talking about that and it's been an issue and you've had to kind of like work him from the bottom of the depth chart, try to straighten things out. It's just, you know, uh, there's plenty of time for things to turn around for him. It's not about his career necessarily, but you would have liked for at this point in the season to, to not have to feel like you're fighting a lot of the same battles of, uh, of this level of inconsistency. It's tough to be a rookie offensive lineman. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's that that's part of this. There's a lot of learning you do on, off the field, everything, but he ain't there yet. And he's not what you hoped he would be right now. Um, and, and that's frustrating. Maybe they find something in energy and that helps cover up that. Uh, but for now that's, that's gotta be a, a disappointment. Yeah. I mean, pretty damning that, that a 
has two weeks in pads and they're like, okay, let's put him in there. We've seen enough of Jackson Carmen and also pretty damning that, that Zach said he played okay, but we're going to give him another shot. I mean, that tells you what they think of Jackson Carmen at the moment. So, and they do, they loved Adenogy. They were thrilled to get him when they got him last year in the draft, but it, it's still, it's, it, this is a pretty big indictment on, on Jackson Carmen's development. And, We'll see. I mean, they 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 they've been looking for somebody at that spot. Is this is now the third starting right guard they've had? Um, we'll see if Adenogy can hold it down. Um, as far as me, the 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 bottom things this year, it's the slow starts. You you have this offense that is so explosive, and and they it's not like they're waiting till the end of the first half to unleash it, but they, they just the fact that they can't get anything going early is concerning and it's it's really hurting them because it is just like we talked about with the season where if they can win games early and you have these young confident brash guys you get the confidence and it snowballs it's the same thing on a smaller scale in games if they can step on teams early you've got joe mixon in the backfield it's kind of what you saw the browns did to the bengals yesterday they get on top early and then they just run it run it run it with nick chubb the bengals are built that same way the bengals are more explosive offensively than the browns are so if they can just get things going in the first quarter i I feel like this everything can open up for this team and it's it's concerning that that these slow starts are happening week after week after week yeah and it's like even when you don't even when you feel like you started fast you start slow like against the Browns, you know, you the move the ball six, up and yeah. down the field and, and you have a whole first half where you don't punt and you have 250 yards and 10 points, you yeah. know, and you're just like, even when we start fast, we start slow. And so they're, they're certainly a part of that too. And, and we'll see how that develops over the second half. Um, the other one is something that we mentioned off the top. I mean, Trey Wayne's, mm-hmm. it's just so much money is going to go wasted. And, and, you know, who knows how much when we'll even see him at this point. You hope to get him back healthy for the last end of the season, but the way they've talked about just basically shelving him, you just, you just, it's just been a mess from the very, very, very beginning. And that is a very expensive mess um, that they have invested in. And, and I don't know how much is his fault. I mean, hamstrings, things like that, they happen, they linger. How much of that is, is, on the player, how much of that is on following, you know, being everything, who knows? I, I, we all know, but it just sucks. Uh, and that's a big disappointment. And it's had them, they've had to play Eli Apple a lot, who's had good moments and, and bad um, and, and really go into the depth and they're bringing in Vernon Hargraves and all this other stuff. But that's, they, it's forced them to scramble a little bit of corner. Yeah. Lou, Lou talked about being so eager to see Vernon Hargraves because he didn't even get here until Saturday. And, Tomorrow might seem like kind of a nothing walkthrough practice before they go on the bye, but he he said he is really looking forward to to seeing him how he looks on the field. I I would not be surprised at all to see him start for Eli Apple in Vegas once they get back from the bye. Um, well, one of my other ones for the downside of things, I go back to the defense. As good as they've been at at bowing up after offensive turnovers, they've been bad at forcing them. They just they can't. This, this team is at the bottom of the league in, in turnover differential, and part of it's on the offense and part of it's on the defense. They're just not forcing enough turnovers, and the defensive line has been really good. You, you would think with the pressure that they're getting on quarterbacks that there would there would be sack strips and there would there would be quarterbacks throwing early into coverage that maybe they shouldn't, and there would be more picks. And it's th- th- this team can really 
feast. We've seen them feast when they were turning over Pittsburgh with Logan Wilson with the two interceptions and and the the interception against Chicago that kind of set the stage for that comeback. Um, that's what this te- that's what this defense needs to be. It's not going to be a lockdown defense that shuts teams down and and forces three and outs over and over again. It has to be an opportunistic one that forces turnovers and gives this offense short fields. And it's it's not happening right now. Yeah, I've been missing that in recent weeks, without doubt. Um, all right, we have we have done enough uh, going going negative uh, at the end there and 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 tried it. You know, it's they're an interesting team. They're relevant. They're they're exactly what we said we'd be. They'd be at the beginning of the year. Very interesting. I'm not. Mm-hmm. We don't know they're going to win a lot or lose a lot, but they're very interesting, and, and that certainly will be the case going on the stretch. But in the meantime, it's time to talk to our good friend ESPN 1530 Mo Egger about his tweets. So let's get to Mo. It's very rare for someone to feel a sense of accountability on Twitter, so I appreciate that we've established <laughs> this. All right, it's now that time again on Hear That Podcast Ground. We get to catch up with our good friend from ESPN 1530, Mo Egger, to talk about his tweets, which I was excited to go peruse through after what happened yesterday, Mo. You know, it was interesting. I was driving home and I thought to myself, I didn't give those guys a lot to work with. <laughs> there were there were a few that were poignant. Yeah, I, I I wasn't I guess I'm not as angry as some. So you didn't get angry Twitter. No. Um but yeah, I mean it was sobering day. Yeah. Uh, sobering I didn't day. use that one. I enjoyed this is sobering, but it I was. passed I passed on that. I know which uh, one you're going to use others, but Jay, Jay's got spreadsheet stats. What do you got, Jay? How how Mo do this week? Well, I enjoyed reading through and counting them. It was beautiful day at PBS and then sobering right at one turn or that quickly. Uh, but I, and I'm all very relieved to have O here with us today because I was a little worried. He had not tweeted since 429 on Sunday. And as we record this, it's 1049 a.m. on Monday. Uh, but still, even with that gap and with we're doing this on Monday, not Tuesday, so it's a six-day period, not a seven-day period, still 120 tweets. Wow. Do those count? Do those include replies? Those do. Rec- they, yes. Yes. Okay. Replies count. Quote tweets count. And you, I, I didn't break it down, but I would guess you had a record for quote, te- quote tweets. It seemed like you were uh, really engaging people this week. <laughs> <laughs> and it also it also counts repeat tweets. You have a few that you you know uh, show rundowns and yeah and stuff promo- like that. Well, on, on Saturday on Saturday, I guess they use a very very tiny clip of our show on game day, and so I got a lot of tweets about that. And so I was sitting there on Saturday afternoon just writing, "Hey, thanks, that's cool." And I'm like, I wonder if this counts. I wonder if this is going to boost my stats. I wonder if this counts for for Jay and Paul. So I'm I'm relieved to find out that they do. I'm glad that it's on your mind. It was that was that was nice. You were you were the kicker at the end of the piece about disgruntled Bearcat fan, uh, right? Yeah. It, it was they they saved you for the premium moment because you you summed it up perfectly. Well, the thing about that was they emailed us on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, uh, and I mean it was like at four thirty, and they're like, hey. Can you send us some audio of callers and you being angry? So I literally, <laughs> it, I literally, um, a little before five o'clock said, okay, I got this email. If you want to be on game day, they used uh, two of my calls two two of our callers, one earlier in the show, but I'm like, we're going to be performative here. So we, we have to give them like 45 minutes of just anger and uh, never in my career have people answered the bell the way they did for that. So <laughs> 
I mean, and I even said before the segment, I'm like, this is going to be, I'm going to sort of lay it on here a little bit. So, you know, we'll, we'll see when we sent it to them and they used it. So, but yeah, the, the, like now you guys are sort of in my head rent free because now when I send it, it's like, okay, is this going to be something I have to answer for? I hear that podcast growling and the answer I'm sure. It's very rare for someone to feel a sense of accountability on Twitter. So I appreciate that we've established <laughs> this. Uh, I, I'll, start with, I'll start with this one for our, our Bengals tweet. And it's one that I, in some ways, wrote about, uh, which is why I kind of wanted to hear your take on it. It was at 429. That's a popular time. 429. That's like, it seems that's exactly when every week it feels like the. It's on the walk to the car. Yeah, it's on, it. it's on the walk to the car. Yeah, it's the walkout. I'm telling you, it's yeah. when the best thoughts happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thrilled that Joe Burrow is the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe he's going to win a lot of games as the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm also mystified at the interceptions he throws as the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. I wrote about it uh, mm-hmm. there's, and, and kind of went into that a little bit multiple times before the game and afterwards, but I'll let you take your shot at that tweet. Yeah. So unfortunately, because of just how we consume things, if I were to tweet or say, God, Joe Burrow's interceptions are mystifying. I know how that gets categorized by some, you know, you hate Joe Burrow. You want Dalton back? What do you? Oh, now Mo's going to want to trade Joe Burrow. Which I'm like, no, that's Paul. Paul's the guy that wanted to trade Joe Burrow. Um, (laughs) So like now I was even thinking about it today. Like when we talk about it on the radio, I'm going to have to like every five seconds, you know, just so we're aware. I think Joe Burrow is going to be great. I'm I'm thrilled with him. He's going to be fine, but but that butt is big. I mean, um, not that every interception he throws is completely on him, but how many times this year has he thrown a pick where you're like, dude, what was he doing? And look, Denzel Ward made a really nice play on on that ball and took it to the house. But I mean, in real time, I'm like, no. I mean, it just it. And so I've never played quarterback. I have no comprehension of how hard it really is. But if I could see it, you're like, Joe, why? And every quarterback has those, but his has come, his uh, have come at just these times. You know, certainly the, the Jets interception was later in the game and the dude made a really nice play, but, but still it's like, he just put the ball in the guy's bread basket. The interception against the Packers was again, one in real time where the millisecond he let it go. You're like, what are you looking at, Joe? A couple of them against the Chicago Bears. And maybe this is all part of the process. Maybe this is all part of, I think sometimes we, we, we forget this dude is, is not just in his second season. He's, he's now early in his second 16 games as an NFL quarterback. So he's not a finished product. And there's probably going to be a time when you don't see those sort of mistakes with the frequency that you're seeing them now. But uh, for a team that I think to a degree has exceeded expectations for a team that plays yesterday notwithstanding in a lot of close games and and for a team that I think has a chance still to, to get to the postseason and maybe even win a game um, the fact that Joe in a few critical moments has closed the team's margin for error by making the kind of decisions that you I don't think really have associated with him yet is frustrating as a fan and, and again I think Joe Burrow is going to be awesome um, I, you know <laughs> The, 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 if we were to take a legal pad and down the middle, draw a line on one side, everything you love about Joe. And the other side is everything you hate about Joe. The only thing I hate about Joe are a handful of interceptions that he can get better at. But in the moment when they're as crippling as they are, that felt like it set a tone yesterday. And I know the Bengals got the ball back and scored, but it, it just, it felt like it, it set this tone 
Um, and then, you know, he throws, throws a ball into a tight window. The ball gets deflected. It gets picked off. There's just a handful of decisions like that where for a guy who is supposed to be so cerebral, you just wonder what he's doing. Mystifying is the right word because you, these, some of these throws are what you would expect from a rookie. And he didn't mm-hmm. do that last year. He was really good at taking care of the ball last year. I went back and look, he had, I know college and pro are totally different, but five, his first year at LSU, LSU six, his second year at LSU and five last year. And now we're already 11. He's tied for the NFL lead. So it, it, it mystifying is a great word for that. And I also need to back up though. I thought I had counted some replies. I know I've seen replies. I did not see a litany of thank you, thank you, thank you. So maybe some of those don't redo count. my numbers. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's the quote tweets that look like replies that I thought. So yes, if if that was the case, they would have been a lot higher. <laughs> but uh, as is usually the case in this segment, I'm curious because I had a friend tweet me in the third or fourth quarter asking what the jerk line number was. And we noticed toward the end of the game, the entire lower bowl turned around with their back to the field. So obviously there was something going on in the stand. How was, how contentious was it yesterday between Browns and Bengals fans? You know what? It was, it was a little contentious between me and a Browns fan because I had to do a pregame radio show at the tin roof and I was doing the, you know, whole make fun of Cleveland thing. And I, <laughs> I think I said something to the degree that my favorite time in NFL history when the Browns didn't exist. And and I think a guy wanted to beat me up and I really didn't mean that. And I, I mean, I was heartbroken for Cleveland fans and heartbroken for the rivalry when it happened, but it's, it is fun to, to needle uh, Browns fans uh, where I was. And I will admit I, I left the game with about four or five minutes to go. So I near us and we where I sit is behind the Cleveland sideline because it's the sun side. And a day like yesterday is when you want to be on the sun side because it's warm. And if you, so if you're, you're on the other side where you guys are, that's not the sun side. That's where you want to sit in September, maybe October. You don't want to sit there in, in November because the, the, you know, the shadows and the shade and all that stuff. So where I sit, there are typically a lot of fans of the opposing team. And in fact, there was a woman and a husband sitting next to me. And I said, I'm going to set the tone early. Uh, are you from Cleveland? I'm like, I always try to make friends with whoever's here because I just, I don't want to get into a fight over football. And so where we are, there's a lot of regular Bengals fans who I just think they're, they're not going to fight the uh, other fans. So where I was, and in my uh, interaction with people, um, it was, it was uh, friendly. It was nice. It was fun. Now, again, I didn't stay for the bitter end. Because I'm like, I've been to enough of these games where there's a lot of fans of the other team and a lot of angry Bengals fans, and we're all leaving together and all hell breaks loose. I wanted nothing to do with that. I wanted to go home. So where I was, I didn't really notice any contentiousness. Um, But also, I left pretty much when all the Bengals fans left, and we just sort of left Paul Brown Stadium for the Browns fans to celebrate. So I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. Uh, everybody seemed to be getting along where I was, but I'm sure around Paul Brown Stadium on an NFL Sunday when the Bengals are losing and Cleveland has a lot of people there, uh, I'm sure there were skirmishes or whatever you want to call it. I have uh, I have an, I have another one for you because I, I was debating whether I wanted to open the box of worms of the Reds oh, no. or open the box of worms of the Bearcats, and I couldn't decide whatever you which, want to do. I, you know, I'm which here for box it. I enjoyed. So the one I went with was from November 6th, it will take time and beverages to process what I just witnessed. I believe you've had time and beverages <laughs> since the game against Tulsa ended on Saturday. 
feel free to go through that. And then and, and I'm and also kind of on the big picture, I'm just kind of curious your take on UC's Saturday <laughs> from yeah. from 9 a.m. <laughs> until it wrapped up. It was an eventful day at the center of the college football universe, as our our colleague David Eubin so so nicely yeah. wrote. Yeah. Uh, in, in a great piece but i you know it was one that I, I think the reaction to is is so varied across uh you know across the entire spectrum it is and i i was i was talking with a few people yesterday morning about just the way this season is being consumed and and here's what i i hate about saturday night um that was a bananas ending to a college football game that folks who are there or folks who are watching should have been celebrating. And instead it was disappointment. I mean, and I, I can't stand that. That's the case. Even Luke fickle said something to the degree of, you know, I had to get on my players for not celebrating. We won. I, I I mean, watching the team, I feel like they're really sort of not collapsing, but they're feeling the weight of having to be perfect. I watched Desmond Ritter's body language, he's playing like a guy who doesn't feel like he can throw an incomplete pass. So that to me was this comical, almost improbable, memorable, weird, crazy ending. And that should have been something we were all high-fiving each other over. And instead it was, okay, they escaped. I mean, I just, I hate that. I, I, I hate that fans are allowing themselves to do that. I hate that the players to whatever degree they are, are allowing themselves to do that. They're nine and zero, and so you had this incredible day on Saturday where UC put its best foot forward. And by the way, like nobody embarrassed themselves. There were a lot of Jesus signs. I, I don't really know what that was all about. If you were watching College Game Day, but whatever, um, nothing went wrong. Even Nick Lachey, who's ew, it was fine. Like it, it was the perfect television show, representing what UC. I think can be and is and they told the story of the program and there was the jerry springer thing talking about sports in the city and it was awesome and then if you went to homecoming i'm sure that was fantastic and then this huge atmosphere this great atmosphere for the game they're in the conversation to play for a national championship they get off to a great start and then there's you know there's the football part of this that we could talk about but just the way that the I think some, and it's not a majority, have just chosen to allow the pursuit of perfection uh, to keep them from, I think, consuming the season the way it should be consumed. I mean, Paul, you were on that beat for a while. You know what it's what UC football's history is. I mean, again, five years ago, last week, was the go-to-hell-get-a-job game, Tommy Tuberville, <laughs> when it felt like the program had bottomed out. You know, who's going to care about this program anymore? What happened? All that momentum from the Brian Kelly and Butch Jones years is, is con- completely been extinguished. And five years later, they're, they're being talked about on one of the biggest stages in television sports as a national championship contender. Um, and, and that's awesome. And it's great. And, and look, there were a lot of things about that game that frustrated me. I, I don't really understand why they don't make adjustments to teams, just punching them in the mouth and running the ball down their throat. And, they, they got lucky. I mean, I honestly was up there going, okay, let them score a touchdown and they're going to have to beat you with a two point conversion. And then if they do, you have some time, but go ahead and let them score the touchdown. And they didn't. And they got a lucky break because the quarterback slid prematurely. They, they got a, a lucky break because the dude fumbled the ball forward into the end zone. 
Um, they overcame Desmond Ritter in the center uh, just with one of the most comically inept snaps I've ever seen. And I think that was reflective of the fact that he's never under center, but just th- the reaction to that should have been, Holy crap. I can't believe they won. These are the kind of games. If you're going to have a special season, you're going to have one or two of these. And for a lot of folks, it was, they processed it the way you process a loss. And I, I just, I can't relate to that. I can't as a sports fan relate to that. And as a fan, I, I badly want them to play in the college football playoff, but I'm not allowing that to be the ultimate barometer for whether or not this season was a success. It's hard to win all your games. And, and again, I, I feel bad for some of these players because you watch them and it's like every single mistake is now being processed as, well, this could be the mistake that keeps us from winning a game by 40 points. That's not how this should, this is how it plays out, but this is not how it should play out. And so I was, I was sad on Saturday night. I mean, I, I, that, that should have been, that should go down as one of the most, one of the craziest, most remarkable moments in the history of that stadium in the recent history of that stadium. And instead it was, yeah, well, now they're going to fall in the rankings. And I'm like, who cares? I mean, I, I care, but it's Saturday, like they won, they won the game, man. And it's just not being by some, it's just not being processed that way. Does that make Ohio sense? State, yeah. And, 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 and Ohio state struggled with Tulsa and Alabama and, struggled with a bad LSU team. And Nick Saban says after the game, well, all that matters is that we won because that's the standard there here. It's you have to win and you have to win big. And I, I get it. I mean, I, I certainly, um, expect to a degree there to be some sort of um, impact on the rankings from that game. But still winning all your games is hard to do. I don't care what league you're in, man. Um, And I think Saturday proved that. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you, when you look across the landscape and, and uh, I, it's, I think, I think at the end of the day, if they win out, I, I do think they get in. I do think they are there because I do think chaos every weekend is going to continue to happen. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's just what's it's what it, what it will be where teams are going to lose teams. You teams in front of you are going to lose. That's, that's what this outside of Georgia, that's what this season has been and probably will continue to be. And so I, you know, for that fact, I, I hope that people can, can enjoy, can enjoy the game and, and enjoy it for what it is and not say, well, if you don't win by, if you don't cover the spread, uh, yeah. and then it doesn't matter. Or like, what is the committee thinking about what I'm watching right now? I hate that. Don't, I don't who cares I, what the committee I, thinks. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've said that multiple times. Look, if you're a UC fan, I get it. You can taste it. I can taste it. The idea of watching the selection show on that Sunday morning and seeing Cincinnati pop up as one of the, the first four teams is still something, the possibility, a possibility that I can't even wrap my brain around. It would be unbelievable, and I wouldn't even really, frankly, care what happened in the games themselves, in the in the semifinal game itself. Um, and and I, I want it to happen in the worst way, but but I, I said on my show last week, the college football playoff selection committee gets to choose the four teams that play. They don't get to choose how you feel about your team. And so don't don't let them. And don't – it just it – is, it is interesting to me, the folks, and including people that I know well – who have allowed this to be pass fail based on what the committee does with UC. Much of that is beyond their control. And if, if this season was all pass fail based on making the college football playoff, you were setting yourself up to be disappointed because that was never the likelihood. A it's hard to win all your games. B even if you do, you need some things beyond your control to happen. And then if those things do happen, who knows how the committee is going to process it. So 
I, I tend to agree that if they go 13 and 0, they're going to make it. Um, and and I, I say that because people who have followed this and documented this process far more closely than I have said as much at the same time. I understand the skepticism that people have about a, a group of five school, but what, what, what they're being asked to do is really, really hard. They never trailed in that game. I don't want to say it was never in doubt. Clearly it was. They never trailed in that game. Um, they performed offensively when they chose to not be conservative, despite not having one of their best offensive players, they got whatever they wanted when they threw the ball downfield. They had some self-inflicted mistakes. Uh, again, I don't really understand what they're doing defensively, just allowing teams to run on them when they have great corners, why they don't dare opponents who can't throw to throw, but I, I, I just they're nine and oh man. I mean, this, somebody said to me on Twitter and I, I retweeted it. Luke fickle is failing. I'm like, dude, I want to fail like Luke fickle. <laughs> and I, I guess the point he was trying to make is this coaching staff is not putting, you know, the, the guys in the right position to succeed. And I, I think there's some validity to that on defense, but good God, I just, it, it just, this is the, this is a season to behold. This is the kind of season that may never repeat itself again. I, I don't understand how you allow um, things beyond the program's control to, to creep into how you process and enjoy the season. Okay. Now do the reds. <laughs> no no don't please no don't we'll say i that. mean what waving the white flag b- before veterans day i mean yeah. they haven't even gotten to the next year yet and the yeah. flag i mean the, the, the atlanta waving. braves the atlanta braves didn't have their championship parade and the reds already gave up on 2022 <laughs> it's that, remarkable that, to me uh, yeah that that for, for frustration for another day, we'll save that. We're trying yeah. trying to keep people if, off from from jumping off the bridge. Long off today. season ahead. It's yeah. <laughs> long off season. Ahead. Mo, thank you as always. Appreciate all your tweets this week and for keeping us always in the back of your mind. <laughs> Rent free. Rent, Rent free. free. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, always good to just just turn the floor over to Mo to just <laughs> just go go off uh on on UC I guess we'll, we'll get to the Reds maybe we just give him an, his own episode to break go off off on the Reds as if he doesn't have enough time uh going off on that topic uh make sure you check him of course every day 36 on 1530 um let's recap Bengals growler bet from last week it was 112 in the second quarter that Miles Garrett got his first sack technically a half a sack and that means I win, first of all. Talk about a so close, though, for you, Jay. It was. I was, I, let's see what, I was 14 seconds away from hitting it on the nose. Miles Garrett had a sack with 925 left in the first quarter, and I picked 939, but the sack didn't count because another Browns player lined up in the neutral zone, which they did a lot on Sunday for some reason. But, yeah, I was – was pumping my fist in the in the press box, counting my seven dollars, and oh. <laughs> it's so close, so close, yes, so close. And it it did not happen. So instead, Paul wins, takes over the the season lead at five to four. Yes, um, and there was a uh, Alan Conklin. On, shout out to you on Twitter. Forty seconds in the second quarter, you said. So close. Not a big, long, so close, but just so close. You're in the right area, but not quite good enough. Um, happy to collect my win. Um, all right. Can you, let's recap the run passer boots from last week. 
Yeah, so we had the the reader submitted run passer boot, and it was Miles Garrett sack yardage, Joe Burrow first half completions or total field goal points, and Joe Burrow first half completions won. He had eighteen completions in the first half, and the Bengals were still losing. Uh, field goal points were nine. And Miles Garrett's sack yardage was only seven. He had one and a half. One was for six yards. One was for one. So that one was that ended up that should have been the boot, the Miles sack yardage. Um, Paul won that one. He ran with Joe Burrow first half completions. I booted Joe Burrow first half completions and it won easily. Happy to collect a dub. <laughs> um, so are you ready for the second half of the reader submitted run passer boot? Yeah, do you want to? We had a second one too. We had our own run passer boot. Okay, let's run through that. What do you got? Yeah, it was uh, Browns running back touches, middle eight points, or Baker yards per attempt. And uh, Baker yards per attempt, we both booted and it won with a 10.4. Browns running back touches is what I ran with. That was 7.5. And the middle eight points is what you ran with. And it was only three. No, should have been more. Um, all right, so here it is uh, from from Mike right. Kresap. Want to thank him very much for his submissions. He had the one earlier, but this one is for Jay. Uh, he, he apologizes in case it's been ans- answered before. I don't remember doing it. Run passer boot Arby's sauces, <laughs> horsey sauce, the Arby sauce, the horsey sauce, or the Bronco Berry dipping sauce. Ooh. Yeah, I, I get jalapeno the, the man's poppers. salivating here, Mike. You've I, asked I, a good question. I get jalapeno poppers every time I go, and I always ask them, is the Bronco Berry sauce in there? And they say yes, and I say, <laughs> can I get a second one? Because the, it, I, I love that stuff. Um, ah, this is really – I'm booting the hell out of horsey sauce. Because get that horsey out of here. When I work there, the running gag – we were allowed to have as much pop as we want, and you could have a pop in the back in the kitchen and – you know, you, you fill it up with, you bring your own cup and you just end a bottomless Pepsi. And I would have my cup back there. I drank a lot of Pepsi in the day and I would have a straw in there. Well, the, the trick of my coworkers, one of which I'm still really good friends with is they would take the straw out, put a, um, crap ton, maybe half a straw, whatever to stay under the level of the pop of horseradish sauce. And then stick a, stick a little like crumbled up, straw wrapper in there so it didn't bleed back out into the pop and make it obvious what they had done and i would go in and you 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 get a quick break and you run back there and take a swig of coke through the straw or pepsi through the straw and you get nothing but horseradish horsey sauce and it was (laughs) awful and i i hate that stuff to this day i will i never use it so i but i'm I'm going classic i'm I'm going arby sauce i love it i put i put one on every sandwich. I, I can't eat an RB sandwich without it. It feels like if they forget it, I go back and angrily tell them they forgot it. I always ask for the Bronco berry at the window. I just assume they're putting the RB sauce in after you ask for it. So I'll run with RB sauce, pass on Bronco berry and, and boot horsey stop horsey sauce. That's just, that's awful. Hear that podcast ground, always delivering the important life <laughs> questions. Uh, Good stuff. Jay, you've got your meat sweats that you can wear, the, the sweatpants full of Arby's meat that I, I'm really excited. We need, we need At some point, we're going to have to show those off uh, to our to our listeners. I'm going to want to make that public. That's what I want to see is the meat sweats go public. 
You have the photo. And thank you to Patrick Schwing for reaching out and sending those as some some free food coupons and then the meat sweats, which are incredible. (laughs) I've already got people offering to buy them off of me. (laughs) I'm not selling. Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to hear that podcast. Grounds, great to have you. Hopefully, I will be back sometime in the near future. Um, And until then, Jay's got you taken care of, and we'll have lots of special stuff for you as we get ready uh, to go through the bye weekend and the Bengals go to Vegas in a couple weeks. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.